0: Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about personal connections. A meet was uneasy. He'd read article after article saying that during the pandemic, managers need to connect with their people now more than ever. The articles were urging managers to ask about people's lives, show interest in them, not just as workers, but as people, to create personal connections. Amit told me, for years I was told not to have personal conversations with my direct reports, and I didn't. Now suddenly I'm supposed to just flip and talk personally? "'What's your concern?' I asked. "'Well, I just don't think I'm very good at those sorts of personal conversations. Is that something we could talk about in the coaching?' "'Sure.' I asked him, "'Am I right you have two different concerns about making connections? One is about crossing a line, and the other is about your skill doing it. Did I get it right?' "'Yeah,' he said. I said, "'Do you have other concerns?' He considered, then slowly said, not yet. So let's start with crossing a line. Amit, what line are you worried about crossing? (laughs) It's funny, I I don't know. It's not like I read something specific somewhere or attended a training about something. It's just this sense of danger, like there's this lawsuit lurking out there if I start talking to my people about their personal lives. I asked, what do you do with your people now? Do you know who's married, who has kids, people's hobbies? Do you, do you know anything? Some, he said. You know, people chat while they're setting up for meetings or in the kitchen. That's where I hear things. And Amit, you don't inquire directly because you're the boss, and if you cross a line, you might get sued. Am I close? I think that's right. Amit, I'd I'd like to change your thinking. Before I start, I, I have to recognize every workplace is different and I don't know yours that well. And yes, of course, you have to be savvy to suit your situation. But just in terms of understanding the rules of the game, here's what might put you in jeopardy. Managers put themselves in jeopardy when they treat one person or one group differently from how they treat everyone else. So let's just say there's one Asian-American woman on your team if you ask her about her life outside work, but you don't ask anyone else, that can be seen as discriminatory. She would be treated differently. He asked, even if I'm genuinely interested, intention doesn't get you off the hook. I Amit. Mean, what puts you in jeopardy is a pattern of behavior that treats one person or one class of people differently from everyone else. Listen, if you ask everyone about their life outside work, that's fine. When you spread your behavior far and wide, there is no jeopardy. He said, well, nice to know I'm okay as long as I'm equally inept with everyone. And then he smiled. So how do I get better at this? What do I need to do? Okay, I said, so we are at the skills part. I'm going to start by just talking about two things. I believe both help you make connections with people. And you can use these whether you're in person or on video. Amit's whole team was now remote, as were he and I. He prompted me, and the two things, curiosity and questions. Aren't those the same things he asked? If you ask a question, you have to be curious, right? Oh, I don't think so, I said. I see people all the time ask questions they already know the answer to. They are the opposite of curious. He laughed. Yeah, you're right. I know people like that, too. I shrugged, saying, Look, I think we're all like that sometimes. But when you are trying to connect with other people, curiosity is an incredible lubricant. It makes a difficult thing easier. If you can stay curious, It will create connection. He asked, Is curiosity something I can learn? Well, it takes practice like anything else, I said. But yeah, yeah, I think you can learn curiosity. How do you teach anyone to be curious? He asked, intrigued. Well, I have a three-part model for listening, and one part is particularly great to help people be curious. Really? He asked. Well, let me tell you. You decide. Before I start... I want to preface this by saying this model imagines we cycle through these three ways of listening all the time. Each one has its own time and purpose. But only one helps you be curious, which is what's going to help you create connections. Got it, he said with a nod. Okay. The three ways we listen to each other are, first, listen to win. You listen to win when you're trying to score points, when you want your idea to prevail. Amit smiled. Oh, I think that's me a lot of the time. Is it, I asked? Yeah. A competition of ideas engages me completely. I love debates, and I like having the best idea, so yeah, I listen to win all the time. I nodded and said, great, see what you think of number two. Listen to fix. He lowered his chin and deadpanned, Did my wife put you up to this? I fall into listening to Fix all the time. It annoys her no end, and I understand why. It's mansplaining. I don't like Listen to Fix. I asked, Would Listen to Fix be okay if it were intentional? If someone came to you and asked for your help, wouldn't you listen to Fix and be good at it, I bet? Well, that's true. You're right. And then, so is that the one that has curiosity in it? Because if I'm going to listen to fix, I have to be curious about whatever you're telling me. I said, well, I know what you mean, but I don't think so. Listening to fix is listening with a purpose. It's not curiosity. It's it's a fix-it mentality. Yeah, yeah, I can see that, he said. So what is number three? Listen to learn. He looked away from the screen. When he looked back, he said, I don't think I do that very much anymore. I think I did when I was a student. I was interested in a lot of different things. I was curious a lot of the time when I wasn't being a know-it-all. But it was fun, like being in a playground of ideas. Anything could happen. These days, not so much. Well, I'll be honest to me, I think this is a muscle that is underdeveloped in most people. It is hard to stay curious and listen to learn, without getting distracted by your own thoughts. He laughed. I'm not even sure I know what that would be like. He went on. Is this where questions come in? Ooh, good question, I said, aiming my finger at him. Okay, questions. I'm going to give you my mini rant about questions, okay? Grinning, he shrank back and said, I don't know. Here it is. Ask how questions. How are your kids? How did that turn out? How are you doing? How was the meeting? Open-ended questions, right, he asked? Exactly. And it sounds easy, right? But you watch and see. I think our brains are wired to ask each other yes-no questions. Are your kids okay? Did you like it? Are you okay? Did the meeting go okay? It is hard to ask how questions. Why questions are open ended too, right? He asked. Oh, yes, they are, but I shy away from them. They can sound like a challenge sometimes. Why did you do that? Why did you choose that? Why would that happen? Why questions can put people on the defensive unintentionally? I can hear that, he said. Mostly to himself, he said, I don't know if I ask how questions. I'll have to see. I said, Here's something else I do when I'm listening to learn. It's not a question exactly. I, I call these expressions of interest. They are statements like, that's interesting, or tell me about that, or no kidding, or just, huh? My brother-in-law does that, he said. Really? What happens, I asked. Well, the ball keeps rolling. You know, he throws in one of those, and the other person just keeps talking. Which, I said, is a great way to create personal connections, right? Keep the other person talking. And by, you know something else that keeps people talking these days, or it can? Video. Really, he asked? How? Think about the two of us right here on video. My face is way closer to you than it ever would be in a meeting room or across a desk. You see me in close up. You see when I am interested. Well, I want you to know I am listening to learn. Expressing interest non-verbally helps keep you talking. Can you give me an example, he asked. I smiled and said, I'm going to guess that I've done this with you, nodding in slow motion. While you talk, I nod my head slowly up and down. My nonverbal behavior says I'm listening. And then when you get to the end of your thought and stop speaking, I keep nodding. I do not speak. The nonverbal message is keep talking. And most people do. He gave his head a regretful shake. You'd have to be pretty comfortable with silence to do that. Silence is tough for me. I understand, I said. And then with a shrug, it's just one more thing to work on, right? Along with curiosity. And then he asked, Do you know the Dorothy Parker epigram about curiosity? The cure for boredom is curiosity. There is no cure for curiosity. Oh, I love that, I said. Seeing curiosity as a less traveled path leading to the look and sound of leadership. Making personal connections in the workplace. Okay. Coming out of this episode, I have four little challenges for you. See if any of them interest you. I hope they do. Here's number one. I challenge you, accept the premise. Accept the premise that people need connection these days. What would it mean for you? if it became an important part of your job, to be sure that you are making personal connections. And I mean, this is your job every day. How would it change what you do? What might you make time for that you currently don't? I offer this challenge with the full understanding that everyone, everywhere is under terrible stress. I am sure you are too. And part of being a leader is being able to lift a little bit more than everyone else. So I'm saying yes, along with everything that is being added to your plate, I think you should be tuning your antenna to opportunities to make personal connections. Why? Because people need them in a way they have not before. So you be one. Be a connection for people. If you accept the premise, here's something I think you might face. You will need to be very intentional to make time with people. You can't just bump into people in the hallway anymore, right? I mean, you might ask someone to stay back at the end of a meeting, and then when it's just the two of you, there's no business. You just say, how are you? How's your family? You express interest and engage with whatever they choose to offer you, their kid's school or their husband's job or the fact that she's fine. Engage with that. She says she's fine. And you ask, what does fine mean to you these days? Don't assume you know anything. Listen to learn. Okay, that's all the first challenge. Whew, a lot in there. Accept the premise. Connections are needed. Challenge number two. Be quiet. Be quiet in your mind. And be quiet in your voice. During the episode, I told Amit that when the other person stops talking, I keep nodding, right? I do not speak just because it appears to be my turn, right? That is a challenge, I promise. (laughs) Look, it's a challenge to overcome the impulse to speak when the ball gets thrown to you. It is so clear. We indicate to each other when it is someone else's turn to speak. And 95% of the time, the other person picks up their cue and they start speaking. That is social interaction. It's completely appropriate. The challenge is to not catch the ball when it's thrown to you. I'm not saying you should put a gag in your mouth. I'm just saying when you speak, it should only be with the intention of keeping the other person talking. You say things like, Tell me more. How did that turn out? If you choose to play with this challenge, you might discover something that I have found fascinating. When I know in my gut that it's not going to be my turn to speak for a long time, I listen differently. And it makes sense, right? I'm not prepping my own ideas. My mind is still. There's space in my mind for your words, because I'm not busy with my own words. Challenge number two, be quiet in mind and voice. Challenge three is about tracking participation. If you are not certain about your skills at making personal connections, here's something you could do. Start tracking participation. It will give you interesting data. Here's how it works. The goal is to get better at making personal connections, right? So you are going to track participation during one-on-one conversations. By the way, if the goal were different, like if the goal were to raise your visibility, you might track participation in group settings, right? But here you're going to track participation when you're one-on-one. At the end of any, any, any one-on-one conversation, do a quick review. Who did how much talking? What was their percentage? What was yours? And there is no good or bad number here. What you're looking for over time is the pattern. At work, when you want to create personal connections, if you feel you are participating consistently at 50% or more, I would ask, is that your intention? I would question whether you can make personal connections in a meaningful way if you are consistently talking more than the other person. I think that's an interesting challenge, don't you? Okay. I have one challenge left. It is about the responsibility that accompanies making personal connections. And by the way, I would just want to start by saying I struggle with this one, so I'm going to share it with you right after this month's gratitude. First, thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you who completed the survey. Oh my gosh, that was fantastic. Thank you for what you wrote. It was great to read. This was a survey last month to help us begin to know what you want from the podcast. Our entire business is changing, and we want to listen to all of you and give you what you want. That would be that would be a nice thing during these times, don't you think? So, to learn what you want, we put up a survey, and you might remember that everyone who completed the survey was entered to win an hour of free coaching with me. The name that popped out was a long-time listener in Alaska. We've traded emails over the years. It was nice to see that as the name. It was like an old friend. Now you have another chance. If you're listening in real time, there's a new survey up until the third week of October. There are different questions. We still need to get to know you better. And one more time, someone will get an hour of coaching with me. The survey is on the Essential Communications website, essentialcom.com. It's essentialcom with two Ms, .com slash survey. I will be grateful. Thank you very much. This month, I'm also very grateful to Gladiator Orion from the United States and from Australia, Tom McPhee. They both wrote lovely reviews. Thank you for what you wrote. They posted them in iTunes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It makes an enormous difference. I have one more person to thank, and there is a story along with this. I want to thank Suzette Ramirez Carr. Suzette Ramirez Carr is the global head of human resources at UTA. UTA is one of the biggest talent agencies in the entertainment business. Their global headquarters are here in Beverly Hills. I've known Suzette for years. I have watched her build high functioning human resource teams. She is one of the best HR leaders I have ever seen. When I began writing this episode, I knew that I wanted to help people understand where that legal line is about making personal connections. And I called Suzette because I knew Suzette would know, and I knew she would be thoughtful about it, and she was. What you heard me tell Amit was pretty much what Suzette told me. So it's good advice. Go with it. But Suzette had many ideas, and one of them, stuck with me, and I have made it the fourth and final challenge here. It is about the responsibility that comes along with making personal connections. Suzette feels strongly that if you are going to reach out to someone and ask about their life, you have to carry it forward. They have shared their story with you, and to them that is the life they are living. Pay attention. Remember what you hear. When Suzette was saying this, I had three thoughts at once. (laughs) That's how quiet my mind is, right? The first thought is that Suzette is just an amazing master at this. Her memory is jaw-dropping. She remembers incidents in my own life that I have forgotten. She really, really pays attention and she can access the information later. That was my first thought. My second thought was, I really devote my attention to people when they talk with me. And I often do not recall major incidents later. Knowing this about myself, by the way, has taught me the importance of taking notes in my life. If I don't take notes, my gaps are embarrassing. But I am not good at this. My third thought was about a guy. And it was a story that I told Suzette. Years ago, I coached a guy. He was the global head of sales for a pharma company. And every year, the company would put on an extravaganza for the sales group. The company would fly everyone from around the world to some place, and the company would put on a show about itself, and I mean like an arena-type show. I worked as one part of the team on this extravaganza for four years. I was the presentation coach to the head of sales. Now, I really liked this guy. He was smart and savvy and focused and high powered. And I don't know if this is most important or not, but he was just a really nice guy, a genuine guy. Everyone loved this guy and with good reason. So, the first show that we worked together, my wife and I had just had our second daughter. And, you know, there's lots of standing around time and He heard about the baby. He wished me well. He asked a little bit more. We chatted about our families. The next year, when I come back for year two, he says to me, Hey, how's that baby of yours? And I told him she was great. And I was impressed. I have to be honest. My memories about his family were (laughs) completely vague. Well, in year four, he was still saying to me, Hey, how's that baby of yours? And it had become a tagline, right? Because my life actually had changed. I didn't have a baby anymore. I had a four-year-old. It was as if he didn't really see me, right? Like there was a label on me. Okay. That was the story I told Suzette. This is challenge number four. Good luck with this one. I just want to say for myself, I am working to get better all the time. Get better all the time. It's Sergeant Peppers. Good word for these days. If you feel that you could make things better by exploring some related episodes. There are three categories in the archive that you might look at, relationship building, social skills, and managing yourself. Five specific episodes that you might listen to are dynamic one-on-ones, facilitating open dialogue, inviting dialogue, questions as leadership, and the human element. And by the way, All of those are linked in the show notes, so it's easy-peasy. If you're interested, it's right there for you. Thanks again for filling out the survey. Okay, that's it for me. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening.